0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the question and answer podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith, from morality to spirituality. Whether it's a question about everyday life or what we believe as Catholics, I am here to help you find answers. If you are a first-time listener, please be sure to follow the podcast. You can also hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.assistiorpress.com slash askfatherjosh. Now, before we get started, I want to take a minute to ask you for your help. Since 2014, Ascension has been creating free Catholic YouTube videos, podcasts, and articles to help people like you discover the truth and beauty of our Catholic faith. Ascension releases 18 free videos. That's 18 free videos and podcasts every single week, and we've reached millions of people with the message of God's love. Now, while this content is free to consume, it's not free to make. So, to help offset the increasing cost of production, we're asking for financial support to continue bringing this life-changing content to people who are searching for Christ. If you or someone you know has personally benefited from our work here at Ascension, please consider financially supporting this podcast and our channel. Any amount is truly appreciated, and will go towards things like Ascension Presents YouTube channel, the Bible Near Podcast, and Ask Father Josh. To make a gift, please visit ascensionpress.com/support or click the link in the description. Again, this uh, that's ascensionpress.com support. And whether you're able to support us financially or not, please keep our entire team in your prayers. Now, on to today's show, what we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about this question from Yayin. Why can only priests consecrate? It's a great question, right? Because uh, no matter how holy lay people are, they're not priests. right? They might be saints. They might have gifts of deliverance and healing and teaching and preaching, But if you're not a priest, you can't consecrate the Eucharist. Uh, I remember when I was uh, years ago, I was assigned to Aloysius and we had an early morning mass on Monday mornings. It was six a.m. mass, and we had five masses on Sundays, and then youth group Sunday night. So it was just a lot. And then between masses and youth group, there's also confessions and anointings and baptisms and hospital visits and marriage preps. So Sundays are busy, busy days for priests. So by the time I got home Sunday night after youth group, I'm Done. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I just want to sleep. And sometimes I wanted to sleep a little bit longer than I would normally sleep. And Monday morning would come and I didn't wake up. I didn't wake up in time to celebrate mass. So you have all these super holy people, a lot of old people, holy old people. That's, that's the main crowd that comes that, that early in the morning. But a lot of holy, 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 holy old people. And they were waiting and they waited and i and my my, my, my pre self was sleeping. And so there's one of the little old lady said to me one day, Father Josh, I want you to know I pray for you every day. And I said, oh, thank you so much, cute old lady. And she said, and um, I also send my angels to you. And I said, oh, I love the angels. Padre Pio's one of my favorite saints. He had a devotion to the angels, and so do I. That's what's up. And then she said, I pray that my angels visit you to wake you up, so you'll stop missing Monday morning mass. And I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I received that rebuke." So we're gonna talk about why can only priests consecrate the Eucharist, and not those cute old ladies that show up every Monday morning at 6 a.m. But before we get to that question, I want to share with you my glory story. So my glory story is this. Uh, as you know, I was on silent Retreat last week. I asked you to pray for me. And I'm grateful for your prayers because it was the best, the absolute best silent Retreat of my life. Absolute best. Mother della Galindo led it in Miami, Florida, at the Convent of the Service of the Peer's Hearts of Jesus and Mary. And God did surgery on my heart. Like the Lord, he took me places that I did not know I needed to go. He illuminated vices to me that were operative in my life that I had no idea I was even committing, sins I was committing. And he showed me just ways in which that he was inviting me to to mature as a disciple and as a priest's son. And it was just great. It was so good. Prayer was beautiful. Scriptures were beautiful. I'm still building upon the retreat right now. There's still so much more. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers. If you don't think your prayers are efficacious, I promise you they are because this was the best silent retreat of my priesthood and uh And I attribute that to your intercession, so thank you. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. Yayin asks this question. Why is it only a priest who can consecrate the Eucharist? If a sacrament is effective by themselves, then why only a priest? So, great question. Um, Jesus Christ, he invites all of us to be part of the body of Christ. And by virtue of our baptism, we receive gifts that the Lord gives to us. And we don't pick those gifts like the Lord gives those gifts to us. He arranges the gifts in the body, the organs, as he chooses and so at our baptism, some of us receive charisms of healing and deliverance, of miracles and wonders, teaching, of preaching, evangelism, intercessory prayer, service, help, administration, hospitality. We don't pick, He gives them to us. It's the Lord's choice. And just like He gives us our baptismal charisms, He also is the one who gives out hierarchical charisms as well. Whenever a young man approaches me because he feels called to be a priest, he is not accepted to the seminary just because he wants to be a priest. He has to go through discernment with with me and with our, our vocation team and with our bishop. And then he goes to seminary formation. And every year, we either tell him, you're permitted to stay, or we ask him to leave. Not because we don't think it's holy, but because we think that we've discerned you don't have a call to diocese and priesthood, or at least our diocese. And so we choose also, right, the Lord chooses his priest. The, we don't get to just say, I feel called, therefore I'm going to be a priest. It's the church's decision as well. And then the bishop chooses who he lays hands on to ordain. In the Bible, when Judas betrayed Jesus and then committed suicide, the apostles gathered together and they chose the next apostle. There were many disciples, but there are only 12 apostles. And the apostles then chose who would be the one to replace Judas. And then they laid hands on them. In Acts 13, 3, the apostles prayed and laid hands on them. They laid hands on them and then sent them off, Acts 14, 22. The apostles were the ones who appointed presbyters in the church, 1 Timothy 4, 14. Um, and so they uh, received this gift through the imposition of hands of the apostles. Only the apostles could choose, right? Because Jesus chose the apostles. Jesus did not give the hierarchical gifts of absolution of sins to the body of Christ. He gave it to the body of Christ who he ordained. And so he says, who sends you forgive are forgiven, who sends you retain and retain. He says, do this in memory of me. He's talking to the apostles. He told Peter, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven, what you loose on earth is loose in heaven. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Not every apostle even received the keys of the kingdom. Only Peter did. So Jesus Christ, he gave certain gifts to certain people. And then those people had the gifts to continue the gift for other people. But other disciples didn't have the gift of consecrating the Eucharist. Other disciples didn't have the gift of absolving sins. Only the disciples who were chosen as apostles. Now, speaking of offering up sacrifice, which is what is proper to uh, an apostle, a bishop, a priest, this goes back to the Old Testament. The priests in the Old Testament were the ones who were chosen by God to offer up sacrifice. There were probably holier people than these priests. There were maybe better speakers than these priests, more virtuous people, but it was the priests who were the ones who offered up the sacrifice of the animal. In the New Testament, We, the priest, offer up Christ, the one and eternal sacrifice, right, to the Father. That which is done in the Old Testament prefigures the New Testament. The New Testament is always greater than the Old Testament. Think about manna, the manna that came down from heaven. Manna came down from heaven when Moses freed the Israelites from slavery, or when God freed the Israelites from slavery through Moses. And then God fed his people with the manna, that miraculous what is it, bread that came down from heaven. But as Jesus Christ said in John chapter 6, your ancestors ate manna and still died. If you eat me, the living bread, I eat my flesh stream my blood, you have eternal life, right? So the Eucharist is greater than the manna. Therefore, the New Testament priesthood has to be greater than the Old Testament priesthood, which means if God was so specific about the Old Testament priesthood and about who can offer up sacrifice, the function of the Old Testament priesthood, then even more so, God's going to be very specific about the New Testament priesthood and who can offer up the sacrifice, only the priest. Why? Because when we're ordained, the priest becomes Christ the head, right, in the person of Christ, the head. And so we're all the body of Christ, but the priest also, in addition to being the body of Christ, acts in the person of Christ, the head. St. Thomas Aquinas says this in assuming that Christ is the source of all priesthood. The priest of the old law was a figure of Christ, and the priest of the new law acts in the person, right? So again, it's greater than the old. One prefigured Christ, the other is literally acting in the person of Christ, continuing the mission of, of Christ, just because somebody wants to do something doesn't mean that God's going to say yes. Remember whenever Jesus Christ delivered that demoniac man, um, I guess he was the Gerasene man, uh, from the demons. After Jesus was on the boat, storm happened. He rebuked the demons of the weather, the storm. Then he goes on land and, and exercises that guy who's possessed. Then the guy said, I want to follow you. I want to be an apostle. And Jesus said, no, no, I'm not, I didn't call you. I didn't call you to be an apostle. That's not how you're going to be a saint. Go back to be with your family. And share your testimony. That, that's that's your role in the body of Christ. So we each have different roles in the body of Christ, um, and it's important that we reverence that. And so, yeah, you know, one of my friends, he's a Protestant minister, and and he now believes in the Eucharist. He for years did not believe in the Eucharist; he thought it was just a symbol. And after studying and praying and reading Scripture, he now believes. But the thing is, the problem is he thinks he can consecrate the Eucharist. And I said, brother, like no, like you are definitely baptized, but you were never ordained. And so just like I can't get pregnant, right, because being pregnant is something that only can happen to a woman. A person who's not a priest cannot consecrate the Eucharist. It belongs to the priest to do that. So hopefully that was a sufficient answer as to why only a priest could do it, because it's the gift that was only given to priests, not to everybody else. Um, Just like charisms, there are certain charisms I don't have. And no matter how much I want to do it, I ain't going to do it because it ain't my gift. It belongs to other lay members in the body of Christ, not me. Um, so with that, let's go take a quick break and when we get back. We're going to dive into our saint for the show.
1: Okay. So I'm going to come talk to you about morality. Oh, there's a real conversation starter. Oh, I was just an ex monk. Oh, he can relate to me. So in my work, I'm a professor and I'm a translator. I take ideas. I digest them. I communicate them. I've read the text thousands of pages of Thomas Aquinas texts in other languages. That's my job to digest. And I just wanted to go into the treasure trove, pull out the things that I had discovered, cut them out from all the scholarly stuff, don't get caught up in all of the, you know, details, right? The people of God deserve to have this kind of content. The truths of Catholic morality are meant to transform your life. And so I wrote this book precisely to show that these truths are not just truths that we memorize, but they're truths that we live. So to find out more about this universal call to holiness that is the vocation of all Christians, check out my new book, Made by God, Made for God, at ascensionpress.com slash catholicmorality. And
0: we're back. Just a quick reminder, if you're a first-time listener, be sure to follow the podcast. You can also hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.assistionpress.com slash Josh. Also, if you want to receive our show notes and any updates about the podcast, be sure to subscribe to my email list by texting Josh" to 33777. All right, so a saint for the show is a saint who visited me during my eight-day salvation retreat. A few of them visited. St. John Paul II visited. Padre Pio visited. But this guy is St. Charles de Foucault. I got his relic from one of my uh, former parishioners from Christ the King recently. He was super grateful for that relic. But yeah, he, he's the saint for the show because he left the church uh, growing up, became just a very public sinner. He was a womanizer, slept around. He got around in the words of Tupac. And eventually he encountered some Muslims who inspired him because of their devotion and their, to their religion. And he, though he never wanted to become a Muslim, he was inspired by them to say, well, let me re-examine my religion of my childhood. He came from a family of faithful Catholics. And so as he began to examine his church again, he fell in love with Jesus, who then invited him to the priesthood. And he tried to join a few different monasteries. And again, it's a mutual discernment. Many of them said no. And then he eventually was finally ordained by a bishop. And he felt called by God and he was blessed by his bishop to go be a missionary in Saudi Arabia to found a religious order in Saudi Arabia and to, to serve the Muslims with hopes that they would encounter the love of Christ and think about converting to the church. And during his mission in Saudi Arabia, he saw no fruit. Not one man or woman joined his order and not one Muslim converted. And then he was killed by the Muslims. So you might look at his life and say, wow, that was a fruitless ministry. But the thing with the fruit of God, and I learned this on a retreat, is that fruit won't always be visible. After he died, shortly after he died, three religious orders were founded in his name and his charism based on his writings and teachings, and thousands of Muslims converged to the Catholic Church. This all happened after he died. So the fruit was there. The fruit was there. He just didn't see it. It wasn't visible, but it was there. And that's one grace that the Lord reminded me on over and over again on a retreat was that We are just called to bear fruit. Do the work God calls us to and bear fruit. We're not called by God or promised by God that we're going to see the fruit. And we've got to remember that. So hopefully if you're struggling right now because you're like, man, I've not been seeing fruit in my ministry. I've not been seeing fruit in my effort, in my labor, in my prayer. The fruit is there if we're being obedient to God and doing the work that God calls us to do. Fruit's there and uh, just might not be seen until after we die. And if that's the case, that's cool. Because the fruit did its thing by the grace of God. So, with that being said, uh, thank you again for your prayers. My retreat was amazing. Thank you. I love you. And I can't wait to keep walking with you next week. St. Charles, who called, pray for us.